0: everyone and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts Jasmine Petty
1: and Giuseppe Corallo.
0: Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about this week's Grey's Anatomy episode entitled Sign of the Times. So if you haven't seen the episode there are spoilers ahead. Uh, We will also be talking about uh, some upcoming previous cast member appearances at the end of the episode so there will be spoilers for that. Uh, We will warn you ahead of the time though. (laughs) So to start us off, uh, Giuseppe, how are you?
1: Well, I'm fine. I'm fine. As you know, as your people know, I'm really busy right now with my thesis that I'm about to discuss, Mm -hmm. like next week, the the, the week after. But Mm -hmm. I'm being pretty positive. I finished writing it. So now it's all about trying to memorize and remember what I wrote. So yeah, yeah, everything is going going great. Spring has arrived. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what about you? How are you, Jasmine, this week?
0: Oh, I'm good. Um, I just finished doing a bunch of orientations at work. Like I was training a bunch of people on this new poster process that we're doing. Um, and that went really well. Like it was about 25 to 30 people per zoom call. Um, okay. it was a lot, um, but it went really, really well. And it looks like we're going to move forward, which will help my team out a lot. So I am, uh, I'm happy about that. And over the weekend, uh, Amy and I made Nanaimo bars um, she, um, she got this, she, she ordered them from the grocery store, but then they didn't have them. So they sent her like a, a, a package, to, like make them instead. <laughs> um, and so I happened to have like the other ingredients, like butter, egg, milk. So she, she came over to my place and, um, we're in each other's bubble and, uh, we, she made them while I made dinner, uh, which was basically like a gourmet ch- grilled cheese sandwich with homali and, uh, some,
1: uh, Oh my God, I'm I'm getting I'm getting I, I I I mean I'm getting very very hungry right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was good. It was tasty. Um, and if anyone would like to see pictures of the stuff I talk about on here, I, they're on my Instagram. So if you wanna <laughs> wanna check that out, be jealous. I didn't of them.
1: I didn't see them. I have to catch up with your Instagram feed. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, um, yeah. That's how I'm doing. And, um, should, uh, should we go into the, the 30 second recap?
1: Yes. Did you prepare to be on time again?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, three, two, one, Go.
0: This week on Grey's Anatomy, Hayes and several other people are injured during a Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle following the murder of George Floyd. And while on his way back from Boston, Winston is racially profiled, stopped and terrorized by the police during a traffic stop that causes Maggie to fear for his life. Meanwhile, Levi is tested by an emergency in the hyperbaric chamber and barely struggles to treat a patient who doesn't believe COVID-19 is real. Ta-da.
1: an episode. What an episode it was, right?
0: Yes this episode was a lot it was important but it was a lot
1: it was a lot it was a lot but it was a powerful episode an episode a necessary episode i would say Mm -hmm. that you know they tell what what, what's happening what uh, grace loan after the killing of george floyd i mean we all know what happened and we know that that barbaric killing was and it, it is uh, final telling point, I would say, for humanity,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: like an act of recording. And, and, and I think one of the most raging things that ever, ever happened. So it, it was, as we know, an act that showed to America and to the world, if necessary, how much racism is rooted in America, and in people's minds, and how much Black people have to be scared for their life more than a, than a white person, you know, mm-hmm. because of, of racial profiling. And our police brutality is a thing that we have to saf- fight. And also, this was a very stressful episode because yeah. on top of that, all of that happened during an all time, high stress situation, a pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as, uh, you know, as Richard said to Bali, revolutions don't schedule appointments. So, yeah. so it was a powerful, powerful episode. I mean, I mean, I'm going to repeat it here myself by saying the word "powerful" and using it a lot. But mm-hmm. it really was, and 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 speaking of Richard, I loved him during this episode. I really did, and I I I think it was very nice and very right, very in character. For him to tell staff people that it was okay if they if they wanted to take time off during this you know horrific time. Mm-hmm. And and also, you know, one of the questions that the show this week posed it was like to march or not to march, you know, to take an active stand during um uh, you know during those march or, or to stay at home. Right. And I think it was an interesting question because. Is there a, a wrong answer? I don't know. I mean, he what, Richard is the kind of character that wants to be a part of the protest because you know how much the protest can change history as well as he says to Bailey. And also, we have this terrific patient storyline uh, that we have to you know remember that she is played by Felicia Rashid, who's Debbie Mrs. Debbie Holland's sister, mm-hmm. great great actress. And, and and she was next to him at the protest and got shot with a tear gas canister. And she's a, and, and Richard brings her so to the hospital to, to for her to have treatment. And, and she's a very inspiring character. And with her resilience and their beautiful recounting of her first march, she participated as a child. I'm talking about the Martin Luther King. And she, she pushes our doctors and especially we'll see Jackson and Ace to understand how it is important to take action, action, to to have an active role. What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, I um I agree with you in that I really enjoyed Richard's storyline in this episode, um and that you know he he very is very much is that character. You know he leaves the hospital in his capable hands and says you know I'm going to march. I need to do this, um but I also uh, empathized with the desire of you know wanting to stay home and, and keep yourself safe. I mean. I think one of the issues this episode brings up is that, you know, even if you stay home, you're not safe with so many of the the horrible things that have happened. You know, people, Black people being killed in their apartments, in their homes, Mm -hmm. and their driveways because they, quote, look suspicious. um, Or, you know, they got the wrong, you know, somebody came home to the wrong apartment or, you know, pulled their their gun and said they thought it was their taser. I mean, as many people have pointed out, if you can't tell the difference, you shouldn't be a police officer, my God. Yes, Um, yes, I agree. And also I just, as a white person, I just want to say this, Um, that's total crap. Because you never hear about somebody accidentally shooting a white person. never. And on the off chance it happened, they were immediately given medical care, like it's it grazes their shoulder. It's you you they never accidentally shoot white people. I'm just saying they never accidentally shoot white people. Yeah. um yeah. so yeah, I, I agree. and i I love the the patient storyline and her, you know, when when she was in in the room talking about, you know, her first march and the different ones, we were just said, you know, I got a late start, you know, in eighty eight or whatever. Um, with March for Africa, and it, that inspires Hayes to go home um, and say to his boys, you know, I was I wasn't wrong to protect you, that's my job as your dad, but I'm, I was uh, I was wrong to say you couldn't march, this is your country, this is a moment I'm here to support you, but I also got why he would, he would freak out and say, okay, you can't do this until you're 18, because like, a neo-Nazi came at his teenage son with a yeah. billy club, and if he hadn't stepped in front of them I yeah. mean, I, I, as a parent, I can't imagine having to make that kind of choice. And I, I totally got where Hayes was coming from.
1: Yeah, me too. He, he was human. The, 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 what I loved about Ace in this episode is how human he was, mm-hmm. you know, and we haven't really seen him in this season with his children. So I, I think they had some of the most beautiful moments in this episode, some tender, like sweet little tender scenes. And yeah, it was, it was beautiful to see him rise up.
0: Yeah, and you really understand his perspective. And I have to say, the, the scenes at the beginning and the end with his boys, where he comes out and he's holding like a coffee or a tea and they're making signs. I mean, that, oh, that just hit me right in the gut. Mm. Because like, you look at their signs, for those of you who, who may not have seen them, um, the one sign says, um, was it, I can't breathe. The other one says, my life matters. And like, just the heartbreak of, of knowing that like your child would have to, you, know, you would have to to protest and say that in that way, and then just like I, I can't even imagine. And then the scene at the end, they there
1: was... that you have to write those things. It's incredible that you have to write. I can breathe. We can breathe. It's
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and then the scene at the end there, where um he comes home and they're playing in the backyard and they're kicking the keeps kicking the ball over the fence. And they're playing the trampoline and that you know that those dualities exist for. black people and for people of color where you know part of it's marching and standing up and saying something or doing what you can or keeping your head down and you have to put that aside and just kind of lose yourself in the moment and play or do something you enjoy because you know it's a lot to carry around as a human being and just the juxtaposition of those two scenes um it's not something I, i will ever personally experience but i can certainly empathize and um i i thought that was beautifully done i thought the child actors who played his kids did a really good job as well
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, I think that what's interesting about this storyline is that Ace is not black. It, it, it is white and it's the father or to be racial boys. Mm-hmm. I think that that puts him into an interesting situation. And as I said, he was he was really great and he was he was human. And as when we he talked to Joe about because Joe was like having a judging moment towards him. But then she realized as well that she she's not able to judge if going to the march is wrong. Or I mean, as I said, he lost too many members of his family and they just want not lose anymore. So yeah, it was a beautiful storyline. And also, um, going back to the question to march or not to march, that passion storyline inspired also Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, his storyline started this interesting journey he he's, he's on, started in last week's episode with uh, his project with Mamortis,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: in this episode, Jackson realizes even more that he, ha- he has been living in like this every tower, like protected by red tape and, and fences. Not that he hasn't done important things, of course, I mean, he tried to change the system from the inside us, as his mother reminds him, but at the same time, he has never been really among people. And I think that we see in this episode that Jackson is really tired, that he and his mother are separated by the real world. So I, I think that it's gonna be an interesting journey for him. Um and I really I really think that he will intertwine with. As we know, with spoiler alert, if you don't know, but I think everybody knows by now, with Apple's return, as I said last week's, mm-hmm. last, last week's episode. So I think we're in for a very powerful storyline with, with with Jackson. Do you think that it, this journey will lead into an interesting position? I mean, where is Jackson going?
0: Yeah, uh, that's what I'm curious about. Um, I love Jackson's storyline in this episode. I just to run it back a bit the lines in the in the or where um richard is talking about his history with protest and and what it was like out there and you know he's kind of got that wise old wisdom but also you know just i think the wisdom that comes from lived experience and offhandedly he says you know to jackson and jackson goes actually i don't and 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 Richard said well you look i'm not in a a place to judge you there's no right or wrong way to feel or to express yourself here I mean his point is you know is basically you know not marching with us doesn't make you less black it doesn't make this any less a problem um we all deal with it in our own way I'm not here to judge you um but one thing I really want to highlight is that to me what what breaks my heart about an episode like this is and for any episode where they deal with with racial prejudice and violence is that the black actors we see on screen, they're not acting. I mean, they're acting their characters, but there's no, like they don't have to act these moments cause they know what this feels like. Yeah. Um, it's either happened to them or somebody they know that's just the reality. And that, oh my gosh, that just gets to me. You know, there, there's no acting required. And um,
1: it really hurts. It really, really hurts. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so sorry, getting back to your your um your initial question, which is where is Jackson going? When I first watched it, I was like, I have no idea. I've seen a different few different theories online. Some people saying he's gonna visit his dad in Montana, some people saying he's going to to a, a protest in one of the other cities or a bigger march. I've seen a few different theories. Uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. I agree, I think it's got something to do with April. Um, and his uh, possibly his father.
1: Also because he brings up his father during his conversation, uh, or I would say confrontation with his mother. He says, maybe that was right. My father was right. So yeah. that caused a strain between him and, and his mother. His, uh, mm-hmm. Catherine was really shocked to hear those words. So that's why I think that he might go see his dad. I think, I, I don't know why, I mean, what would that bring storytelling wise? I don't know, but I think we're finally going to revisit that relationship.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's definitely a possibility and I'm interested to see where Jackson's story goes because, you know, for a good chunk of the series, he's, you know, he's the privileged, wealthy, pretty boy. Um, In past seasons where you have uh, storylines where, you know, there's something going on and all the other characters are kind of, you know, rallying behind whoever the person that's kind of being scapegoated or persecuted or being scrutinized. And Jackson's, you know, he's all about the system. And, you know, like, well, we have to we have to preserve the foundation in the hospital. And everybody else is like, screw you, man. The people that work here are what makes this place what it is. If you don't get that, go to hell. And, you know, he's always kind of had the trajectory. We don't really see him shifting those views despite the fact that he gets called out and wants up being wrong a lot. Um, And then when he has that near the near death experience with April happens, you see him kind of find God. And that winds up kind of destroying his relationship with Maggie because, you know, he wants her to change and grow and find God. And she's like, I like who I am. I don't want to change and grow and find God. And neither did you up until recently. I mean, that's what destroyed his, his relationship with, with April. Well, that and loss of Samuel. Um, But what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, I kept kind of expecting that growth to occur or for that to change, and it feels like it's kind of been dormant. And they're kind of hinted at it, but this feels like a tipping point where he's he's frustrated. He's finally realized, you know, what I'm doing isn't working. Working the system not working. I have to do something else. I have to try. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes and where he's going on his 11 hour journey and also his spiritual and psychological journey. Um,
1: uh, speaking of journeys, we had. Maybe the core storyline of this episode was the Winston one. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what happens to Winston in this episode?
0: Oh God, this is so hard to talk about. Um, yeah, I felt so yeah, you know, as we saw, you know, Winston's on his way back from Boston to Seattle. The police pull him over. Maggie's on the phone with him. They insist he hang he hang up. You know, we don't know if he's alive or dead or what's going on with him for A good chunk of Maggie's terrified he they've killed him, um, or that something horrible has happened. And then we find out that you know they, you know, they searched the car, they searched him, they made him open up all of his stuff, they ransacked it, they, they have him do a DUI, um, all on the grounds that you know his his bike rack was um obscuring his license plate. And I mean, but it's really about the fact that he's watched because, yeah. um. Just to use a personal example here, Um, I come like I'm I'm a white person. I come from a middle class family. Um, I personally don't drive; it's a personal choice. But I've been in the car many, many times with family members or friends who are white. Where you know, again, not being particularly dangerous, mind you, but you know, we're going down like a a country road or a road that's not very populated. They're going over the speed limit. They're speeding. They know it's 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 illegal, but you know, they're like, okay, well, we're alone. You know, no. they get pulled over by the cops in a speed trap. And I've been sitting in the back seat or the passenger seat. You know, we've been pulled over, license registration. You know, I was in the car one time with somebody and they're like, they look at their license um, and they're like, oh, you're a local, like from the postal code. And so like, they're like, yeah, so you know better. You know, you shouldn't be speeding, you know. And they apologized, you know. And
1: you never, and, and you were in the car and you never felt threatened as, as a white person, right?
0: No, you I never, never felt... Danger. I never felt that, like, I felt freaked out. But the thing I want to highlight here is that, like, everyone else in the car was very nonchalant. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but I, even though I was freaked out, like, I, I mean, because, you know, I'm <laughs> directing the laws and something I do regularly. Um, You know, there was never any real danger. I mean, we, I've never been in a situation where, as a white person, somebody else was asked to step out of the car. I've n- never has a weapon been drawn. Never have the pl- police been anything other than, polite or, like, kind of snarky, but, like, never in danger, um, and, and, you know, I've been in a situation where somebody broke the law, like, they did something they weren't supposed to do, they sped, they trespassed, they were mouthy, um, you know, they just ticketed them, and then we went on our way, um, yeah. you know, then you pay the ticket, you move on. like, it was never, um,
1: It was never a problem, it was never, I mean, they would never do this to a white person. I I know because I've been pulled over as well here in Italy and I'm a white person. I mean, of course the circumstances are different because I live in Italy, but of course racism is a problem in Italy as well. Mm -hmm. Or because the racism as we know is a problem all over the world. And, And I see that for a white people to be stopped by police is different from our Black people, because Black people are seen as dangerous by these policemen, and that's crazy, and that's that's so, so maddening. Uh, when I see that happen, because I saw it happen, it's like, it makes me so, so mad, mm-hmm. so, so mad. I think that to see Holy East, Winston's belongings scattered around the car, and that knowing that the dogs sniffed, sniffed, sniffed those, it was, I mean, I was, I was shaken up as Winston was. I really felt his feelings. And I, I have to say props to Anthony Hill for his acting, because again, maybe as you were saying, these actors are not acting. I mean, maybe this has never happened to Anthony Hill. But as a black man, he knows what he means. He must have known firsthand what he felt like, you know? So it was it was so maddening. I was it was really I, I was I I I was anxious, of, anxious for, for the entirety of the episode. Yeah. I was like Maggie waiting for, for him to call back. And when he finally called back, I was like, really? They did that? And the way that 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 policeman kept saying, oh, um, close your phone call, you know, uh, you can talk on the phone. Why not? Why couldn't he leave the phone on?
0: Because well, they don't want to be recorded. Right. They don't want there to be yeah. a, a record. And I just and also just like the implication there. And I hate that this is a thing that people have to deal with. But the implication that like because you're black, you're dangerous. And obviously you're doing or selling drugs like. Yeah. Just Okay, first of all, that's ridiculous. Okay, some people do, but not all black people. And just speaking about people I know, I have known people who are white, who were actually involved in that kind of thing back in the day. And I mean, like, I I guess my point is that, you know, like, to say that somebody is innately dangerous and is selling drugs because they're black is an insane point of view to take. But police all over the world take this every day, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? you think that's okay
1: what? Yeah. is in Canada housing Canada situation, it's the same I mean of course I guess so maybe not as pronounced as in America
0: well i, I here's what I'd say, and I can't speak for anybody else, but here's my kind of impression is that these these issues are just as prevalent. the rates in some cases like are lower because our population is less in the u s and you know, in certain things, for example, like we have um our gun control laws are a lot stricter. We have a culture where you don't like you only have a gun if you use it for work or like a hunting rifle, but you keep that stuff locked up. So in, t- in terms of kind of gun violence or the stuff you're allowed to use, like the police are allowed to use during a protest is different. Um, mm-hmm. because legally we have stricter laws, but you know, um the police um, you know, stopping people, pulling people over, you know, shooting them. Um, yeah, I mean we've I mean, here, I'd say the cases the case that make the news are more people being killed in their homes. Like, you know, they're called to a, there's a big crisis here where police are being called to mental health calls and they're just shooting people, saying that they're a risk and killing them. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, there's been some pretty prominent ones or, you know, using no-knock warrants, scaring people. until they, like, they jump or fall out of windows because they're scared and they die. Oh, my God. Um, so that's one of the stuff that makes the news. So I'm not sure rates, of traffic, That's stop. Um, great. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm not sure, like, compared to what the rates are. But one thing I will say is that the issue of, the main issue here is police pulling people over, going to their homes, um, responding with violent, deadly force because they're Black or they're Brown or, in my country, Indigenous, um, is just as much of a problem here Um yeah, it's just as much of a problem, and Canadians have to, and people who live here uh, have to deal with that just as much. Right now, you know, there's obviously a lot of trials going on in the States. A big issue here is that, you know, the police do this stuff, and then the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, is a unit that investigates when the police kill somebody. Yeah. They always acquit them. Like, they always say they did nothing wrong, or it goes to trial, and they say it's justified every yeah. single time. they never. Yeah,
1: they, yeah the same happens to in Italy as well. They always got get away with it. Always, always. I mean, not always. Of course. Now I'm doing like always. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but you know, most most of the time, yeah, most of the time. And you know, to see that hug at the end of that Megan Winston hug Mm -hmm. and Amelia waiting with her for Winston to arrive. Yeah. Oh God, it was such a relief. It was. It it was really, really real relief that we. We need it.
0: And what's something I want to say here is that the whole time I was watching the storyline, like I, like you, I felt anxious. I felt like I was gonna throw up the entire time. And something that really hit me was that I knew, like I felt pretty certain that like Winston was not going to die because I upped him, like the the upped the actor as being like a regular character at the beginning of the season. So I felt pretty sure he was gonna make it out. But what got to me was this is a TV show, so I know that. But in real life, there are no guarantees.
1: Yeah. Right. There are um, no guarantees. There
0: are no guarantees. And if you got stopped by the police, there is no guarantee you're going to make it out of alive or they're not going to grab you or harass you or beat you up. And yeah.
1: there is no guarantee that at the end of the day, you're going to hug the person that you love, that you're going to come home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's just it.
1: Speaking of frustration, another thing that was really stressful in this episode was the belly storylines, because she got to treat a patient who was a COVID denier. Mm-hmm. And I would add, not just a COVID denier, but also a sexist, sexist man. He was, right, right he was like, like the worst of the worst. I really hated him. And basically he didn't, he didn't believe in COVID. He just didn't. And he thought that it was all a scheme perpetrated by doctors, you know, to get money from the government that yeah. he would, that he was not a sheep. Like he was so mad in this world. Well. Yeah. I mean, and the the way tra- the dismissive way in which she treated Bailey and and Doctor Tsung, it was like oh my god and and to know again to know that I mean it, it is a TV show but to know that these kind of people actually exist in the world and they are part of the reason why we're still in a pandemic mm-hmm. makes me so so furious you know and to see how Bailey who has lost her mother to to this disease, you know, for it to be like, oh my God, what can I do? I really hope that we can climb this hill, but if people like this exist, it's gonna be really hard. I thought there was a powerful storyline as well. And I really loved the, the moment in which Bailey, you know, when she's about to explain to the COVID patient that she lost her mother, she says something like, my mom, and then she stops because she remembers that in that moment, she's a doctor. And so she has to get out from that room and she has to take a moment and, and beautiful acting by Chandra Wilson, beautiful yeah. beautiful acting. And she, I mean, she reminds us every week that she's a powerhouse. I love her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was so maddening. And I mean, at the end of the day, what Grey does best is even, I mean, even though he was the villain of this episode, when he died, I was sorry for him. I was like Bailey. Bailey, when he dies, Bailey was like, she was about to place her hand on his body. And then she stopped. And I felt like that. Like, I want to say that I forgive you, but at the same time, right now, I can't. I will because a human being. But right now, I'm so mad because you're not getting what's going on. Do you Did you feel the same?
0: Yeah, I I did. And you know, kudos to Bailey where, you know, she comes back and she takes a moment and I would have probably done the same thing where she's like, what, what, what?
1: Oh, I wouldn't have been able to stop.
0: <laughs> oh, And, and then she comes back in and she tries again, she tries explaining it a different way. And this guy's like, he's like, Oh, whose foot is that? Cause it's not mine. And she's like, Hey, you have a blood clot. And this guy is so dumb. Like the fact that he's like, Oh, runners don't get blood clots. Okay. If you're a real runner, um, they absolutely do. It's a real con- concern. Um, so then she tries explaining it to him in a different way and he still doesn't get it. And then, you know, you, you, he he, get, he signs out AMA, which we all know was a bad idea. And then she, they find him in the parking lot and she still tries to save him. Like this guy's, you know, absolutely reprehensible. And she still tries to save him because she took an oath. And, you know, and, and, and the other thing I really liked about that patient storyline was, this was a small moment and I don't know if everybody caught it. So I really want to highlight it is not only is this guy sexist and a COVID denier and completely dismissive towards Bailey, but when she walks up and uh, Dr. uh, Mabel Sung, uh, who's the resident, is treating him, um, we also get an instance of anti-Asian racism and sexism in this episode because he calls her a nurse.
1: Yeah, that's so frustrating as well. And and, and then
0: when Bailey corrects him, he doesn't apologize. He doesn't call her doctor. He just keeps calling her her. So this guy is acting as if like, oh, yeah, the government's like giving them kickbacks. and They're making people sick. But women and black people and Asian people can't be doctors and writers don't get blood clots. And I, I just want to share this because it's off my chest. Yeah. Anybody who thinks that, you know, this is a hoax or that it's possible for governments and hospitals the world over to be so goddamn organized that they could perpetuate a hoax on this level has greatly overestimated. Um. How, like, how the public service in any country and how hospitals work because, like, we're good, we're doing our best as a former public servant, but like, we're not that organized. That's not that, like, that's a level of organization that is impossible, yes, to achieve. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: but you'll never get to those people, they no, because they no, are no. Really out of touch with reality. So, it's like, it's impossible uh, to talk to them, it's impossible to I- talk into a wall. Wall. No
0: wall. And I have to say, if that was possible, honest to God, there would be no hunger, there would be no poverty, there would be no homelessness, there would be no war. If we were able to organize at this supernatural level, all our problems would be gone. Why would we devote that amount of organization to making people sick and killing them? That's, that just makes no sense.
1: Yeah. It, and we also had that, I think, sweet and funny moment between Betty and, and Teddy, because yeah. Teddy was back.
0: Yeah, she, she she was back this episode and I was glad to see her back and, and doing better. Um, I I hope that we get a bit of a follow up there that she is seeing a new therapist and is getting some help. Uh, I really, I really hope that that's uh, the case. I liked her conversation with Bailey, too, where they're like laughing through their trauma.
1: Mm, yeah, like, oh, I lost my mother. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like funny. That was poor grace, I guess.
0: Yeah, and he was like, you know, had one breakdown after another. And and Bailey was like, you know, seeing the look in my dad's eyes and Yeah. yeah just yeah. Oh, like it's not funny, but it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. But Sp- speaking of um you know, pure Grace,
0: mm.
1: Meredith Gray is still sleeping. She's still sleeping. And I just cannot anymore. I mean I wouldn't say Meredith Grace sleeping. I would say like doll Meredith Grace sleeping, because why aren't they trying to do their best to to hide the fact that that woman is not Ellen Pompeo, but it's a doll?
0: Because I will right? say this: I I did see it in this episode. So previous episodes, if they have used a doll, it wasn't obvious to me. But this one, I was like, oh, that's a doll, like
1: because the, the air is so long and Ellen Pompeo in the last shot of last week's episode she didn't have that long hair so it just does not make sense and I have to say that you know all the Levi and Meredith storyline although it was nice I mean at least to me it felt out of place in this episode it felt like it didn't belong here and also I just I wouldn't say anything more about this storyline because what I because even though I liked uh you know Levi stepping up. I'm so so tired of Meredith being in that coma. I just want her to wake up. I I, I think they're losing steam right now with her still sleeping. I I just need this storyline to end. I love Meredith. She's my favorite draw, the character, and she's my the major draw to the show for me. So I'm just done with his storyline. It's like this. Maybe you like this Levi Meredith storyline a little bit more. Maybe you're a little m- less, you know, judgy towards this turner because I really am. I'm done.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people are done. I've had a lot of people be like, I like this episode, but can Meredith wake up now? Yeah. Um, And I feel that too. I mean, I did that being said, I do want Meredith to wake up, but I I did like the storyline with Levi and Meredith. I thought it was very sweet, and you know, I thought the editing work with the voiceover was really well done. So, um, shout out to whoever did the um, the voice editing for episode. I'm, I'm not sure oh, exactly
1: I can't say something because I can actually remember a name, and I'm so sorry for this, but um, this was like the first episode she edited. It was someone who wrote on Twitter. Her name, like, oh my God, I cannot find it. I'm so sorry. If we but can it, find
0: it afterwards, we can put it in the description.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the description. But she, th- 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 this was her first headed episode. So props to her.
0: Yes. Um, we will remember your name eventually. Um, so I thought that was really well done. And how Levi was like softly talking and was, to her and was annoyed because Baylor said that he, he couldn't, he didn't want to stress her out. <laughs> so he was really <laughs> trying. And then he could hear her voice and he was like, okay, this person's organs just popped out of their body. Let's just handle this. And, and Amy said, when we were watching this, he's like, oh my gosh, he sounds like Christina when he was yelling at the other intern being like, well, that's not gonna help. Um, <laughs> And I wonder if that's because like, you know, Meredith and Christina are very close. I like work together a lot That maybe when she's training people and they're not getting it, she uses her Christina voice. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's yeah, why. Right,
1: right. right.
0: Um. And I really enjoyed that, um, and I like that Levi stepped into his own and is becoming a competent doctor. And he's no longer the person. Amy and I talked about this. He's no longer the person that dropped his uh, glasses into a body cavity on his first day on the yes. tour.
1: so much, so so um, much.
0: So I really enjoyed that, uh, but I, I too would like uh, Meredith to wake up, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a bit more about that when uh, we we'll talk about next week's promo. Joe didn't have much of a storyline this episode, but she did briefly talk to Hayes and she did talk to Levi, and I'm a little confused as to what's going on with Joe, because she seems to be this very. Like, okay,
1: OK, please explain to us why you are not really feeling this switch in her career path.
0: Okay, in a nutshell, we, I don't feel like they've done enough setup because we have the exact same amount of information about Joe switching to OBGYN that we did in the premiere. We're now on episode 12 and we have no additional information. So for me, there's not enough here for me to get invested. She briefly talks to Hayes in this episode, but there's no mention of her switching. And it's like, there's no indication that Hayes even knows she's thinking about making the switch, which kind of takes him out of the running as a mentor. Thank God. I'm not trying to hate, but this is a legit question I have. Joan, I felt like Joe Joan became a better character in season 14 when they gave her more depth and more of a backstory and her and Meredith finally became friends. And I thought the writers did a really good job of that. And over the last like three seasons, I've really enjoyed her character. And so this season I'm a bit confused by as to what they're doing with her because they seem to have reverted her to the angry, like, woe is me version of herself that she was, you know, season 13 in some of the earlier seasons where she's snapping at people. Like she spends two episodes screaming at Hayes for no goddamn reason. Um, she's either yelling at people- That's or- why you
1: cannot forgive her. I know that is, this is the reason why I cannot forgive her because she went against Hayes.
0: Her upset seems to come from the fact that she's taken offense to something or she's feeling slighted but there's no indication from Hayes or the other characters that they actually feel the way she thinks they feel, which was uh, something she did a lot prior to season 14. And so I was really happy when she grew and moved on from that. So I don't know why, I mean, I know the pandemic is tough, but it's tough on everybody, why they've chosen to revert her kind of to her worst version of herself. It doesn't make me root for her. I'm frustrated by it. And she's continued to make these very bizarre comments. Like she's like these very rude, disrespectful comments. I'm like, what? like, who says that to somebody? Like when she compares Alex leaving to Hayes's wife dying of cancer. In this episode, he coughs and she makes some comment about like not wanting to catch COVID. And then he's like, I'm coughing because of tear gas. Like yeah. who says that to their coworker? Like, yeah, damn. yeah.
1: She, She's always so cranky. Yeah, I don't like her characterization uh, this, is, this season either. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of her character, but as you said, when Krista Vernoff took the reins of the show starting from season 14, I think her character improved a lot. Yes, me too. Yeah, but now something is wrong with her. And I think, like, you know, like she's always annoyed by things. I don't know why. But speaking of great things coming up, guys, guys, I'm so excited for next week's promo. excited and scary at the same time. (laughs) Spoiler alert. So basically, Derek is coming back. And as we know, this will be his last time on the beach, (laughs) which finally means that Meredith wakes up. And can I how beautiful the promo was with i mean i don't know if you can catch this but basically they used the song of meredith and derek um i mean the song that they played during meredith and derek's post-it wedding in the season five finale which yeah. was a nice throwback and i really hope they used those music throwbacks as well in the episode I'm so, so excited for next week's episode. What about you?
0: Uh, I'm also very excited. Um, I'm excited to see Derek back on the beach. Um, I didn't catch that that's what the music was, but I did catch that it was kind of nostalgic. Like I knew they'd used it for something. That that scene where they're talking on the log and then um, he, like they're standing on the beach and he embraces her from behind, like he, he's holding her. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God, my heart. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, you know, they're going to have this. I think that next week's episode is going to be this back and forth where like her on the beach with Derek and the other doctors being like, like the pro Richard says, you know, she should be awake. Why isn't she? And them trying to figure out what's wrong and the back and forth. And I think she's, they're going to have a beautiful moment. And I think she's going to wake up. I I agree. Like wake up for real, you know?
1: Yeah, I cannot wait. I seriously (laughs) cannot wait. I know. and uh-huh. we have another return coming up because Sarah yeah. April Kepner really revealed in which episode she's gonna be in
0: yes um so we've got next week it's Derek and then I believe if I'm if I'm correct about this we're on yeah so uh, next week is is Derek and then the show is off the following week and then it comes back. On the sixth of May, and we're going to have April is coming back. It's the return of April. It's the return of April, and it's it's presumed that that's going to have something to do with Jackson's storyline and where he's going on his eleven-hour journey. And uh, people are speculating, you know, what to have to, you know, what's the impact with her relationship with Matthew and Harriet and Rosie and his storylines with Joe. Like, what's going to happen here? Well,
1: will see. Yeah happens i'm so so curious
0: i'm curious too like i'm to be honest like i i wasn't um like i like april as a character i wasn't super super attached to her but i'm excited to see uh i'm like kind of same with jackson like there's points where i'm like i like jackson other like points he's been kind of an ass for the last couple of seasons yeah yeah um, it really,
1: it, also i think that his character is that he's stronger even though i'm not a, a big Jekyll fan mm-hmm. i think character is at his strongest when he interacts with April. And another thing is that I always thought that April had to come back at some point. I, I I'm really happy that she's coming back. And and with this storyline, you know, it's it's like everything is coming for Silco.
0: I agree that like I feel like Jackson's getting a really interesting storyline right now. April coming back is gonna be very interesting. Yeah, I like I think it has a potential to be really strong and I'm excited uh for what they're gonna do.
1: And now so- it's I think for the, our favorite week, favorite lines of the favorite line of the week, right?
0: Our favorite scene or our favorite quote. Uh, do, excuse me, do you want
1: to go first? I mean, I really loved Richard's line about revolutions don't make an appointment, but I think I'm going to go with a funnier one as I usually do. Mm-hmm. I really loved, I mean, I cannot remember the exact line, but Levi, when she was, when he was taking Meredith in the barbaric chamber, he kept saying to her, it's like you're going to be in a cloud and- <laughs> Yeah, and carefree and then it was like oh but not an Evan cloud you know and so i i thought that was really funny what about yours
0: oh that's a good one um i think probably my favorite quotes um apart uh, from the ones you've already mentioned were this the lines that are said um when they're when they're in, in now the patient's room and she's talking about the different protests she's been to and uh the dialogue that richard and, and the patient have back and forth oh um, yeah about you know some things are worth fighting for, and I'm not a. And she's like she's bouncy. She's like I'm I'm okay if I have a scar. You know to her they're badges of honor, and she talks about all the ones and Ferguson and and I Have a Dream and and you know Africa and and Washington and um I you know and Richard talking about what he's been through and um I love that they delved into that and and I really love that scene and those lines, um. I'd say kind of a, a follow up to that because we've already kind of talked about that a bit. Um, is the scene at the end there where Hayes comes home and talks to his boys? Yeah. Um, and I, I like the line where he's he's hugging them and they're walking, and um, one of his sons says, um, "I think it's I think it's Liam." Where he says, um, "You know, I heard about a protest uh, downtown tomorrow. Would that be too soon?" And Hayes goes, "Why would that be too soon?" And I think I think it's Austin awesome who goes, um, "Your head." He's like, all right I I forgot about that and he's I think he was like, oh, I think it's an improvement so I I like that scene it was it was sad and it was heartbreaking but it's also funny and um we got to see more of their relationship and that they like to tease each other that they are genuinely very close, which is all Abigail ever wanted for them. One thing I really want to say is that you know when when we see Abigail dying, she talks to Hayes about like you know, let them feel it I don't want them to bottle it up. It's okay to fall in love again and I thought that scene was so beautiful because you see that Hayes has really taken that to heart. Yes. Um, And he's been there and supported them and is, you know, affectionate with them and not not just verbally, but physically affectionate, which I think is very important. Um, And uh, I love that, you know, he's doing what Abigail asked of him. And I just thought that was like a really funny, beautiful moment.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. It was. I think that's it for this week.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I Yeah, I think I think that's our show, everybody. Um, if you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McCloyd. You can find us on Twitter at DanceOutPod and on Instagram at Dance Out Grey's Anatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine.
1: And I'm Giuseppe.
0: And this is Dance It Out.
1: The Grace Anatomy Podcast.